Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the show on myself, Dan Selke of WindowsComing.net, Cheryl Wilson of Culture.com, talk all things Game of Thrones, Song of Ice Fire, Fantasy Fiction. Cheryl, how are you after your long Memorial Day weekend? I'm I'm pretty good, Dan. I mean, I my brain is still kind of in ethics and journalism mode right now, thanks to the Wick Club episode that we just shot. Yeah, well, we had a pretty interesting Wick Club episode we just yeah. shot about, um, you know, ethics. Are they good? Are they bad? Stuff like, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. Um, other than that, pretty good. How about you? Oh, really quick. Kenny Damo says, Dan's hair looks longer. Thank you, Kenny. It's, it's not longer. I'm just having a very high volume day. But I really appreciate that. I thought it looked really good today. You're, all day. You're full on windswept over here, Dan. I really am. And hey, everybody for watching. Hey, Kathleen. Hey, Diane. Julie. Louise. Sherry. Kenny, of course. Ashley. Sue. Leanne. Thanks for joining us. Okay. So, oh, and Julie says it's freezing here in Australia. Two days till winter. Really? How awful. That's how that works. Yeah. Re- quick sidebar. Do, 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 is there a strong winter in Australia? Like, not a Chicago winter, surely. I don't, I don't know that, but the seasons are, yeah, the seasons are flipped. That is true. Julie, how cold does it get in Australia? I, I, I'd like to know that. Please provide the answer in degrees Fahrenheit so oh, that we God. can okay, yeah, you're right. flip for you. Uh, <laughs> we'll you don't want to make us do math on camera. Okay. Anyway, um, yes. this Sunday was kind of the last episode <laughs> of Game of Thrones Season 8. We had six episodes, yes. but they were hiding one in the, uh, the backlog. The Last Watch, a two-hour documentary about the making of Season 8. If any of y'all watched it, uh, I'd appreciate some comments. What'd you guys think of it? I'm curious to know. Um, I watched it and I, and, and I enjoyed it. I, I was, it's kind of interesting that it was longer than any uh, episode of the show ever was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, are, are you a fan of like that kind of behind the scenes thing, like Lord of the Rings special features kind of thing? No, usually when I watch documentaries, they're about murder. Oh, me too. Usually. <laughs> But in this case, well, I ironically, an they're usually about murder. Oh, no, I, I'm right there with you. Um, or um, animals like uh, living in the jungle. Well, I did watch the inventor, the inventor recently, the Theranos. Oh yeah, that's a really good one. Um, yeah, good. Documentary aside, I did not actually watch the last watch. I have just enjoyed the memes that I've seen from it <laughs> on the internet, which seem to have summed up basically everything I need to know about it. And I feel like that was the right decision for me as a person. Sure enough. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I, like, when I was first watching it, there was a bit of a, there was, of course, some melancholy about, like, oh, we're seeing the end. There's also some melancholy about mostly what I think it showed was the passion of these people. Like, it it, it really, and Kenny enjoyed it. Good for you, Kenny. I liked it, too. He liked the table read. The table read was great. The table read was good. That's the the thing I've seen the most memes about. Yeah, that was fun. Just the way they all cheer when Arya, um... Kills the Night you know, King. Uh, kills the Night King when Kit Harrington's kind of um, despondent when he does Daenerys. And the best part of that, by the way, is Amelia Clark across from him going like, <laughs> she's like, I wish you would have read it so you wouldn't be crying at the table. <laughs> no, she gives like the best eyebrows in the business. She does. Always, always the case. But um, at first I wanted kind of more of that. I wanted more like talking heads with the actors talking about their characters because it really focused on the crew. Like it was very much about these people who, you know, otherwise you would not have known. Like there was uh, one, the, the, the locations manager, uh, I think, um, I'm gonna say her name wrong, like L- Natalie Liston. Like, oh my God, swears like a sailor on Fleet Week about everything. It was, I loved her, she was my hero. <laughs> Just like, 
That's so an energy. Nicole, we need. Like we gotta get the bleep door here and the bleep get the more the bleeps and the bleep and bleep bleep. Like you're the best. I love you. <laughs> um, there was of course the uh, world's best extra, Andrew McClay, who is a uh, who is an extra who's been kind of not. I don't know if you call it a featured extra. I don't know what it means really, but he's been in like several shots kind of throughout the series. Like I remember a shot of him at Stannis's camp when they're being snowed in. He's just like the bent over, dead eyed look in his eye kind of guy. He was at Winterfell the next seasons. He was at uh, Second King's Landing, Battle for the Army of the Dead. And uh, he, it, he was kind of the heart of the show. Like, he clearly loves this job so much. And uh, the good ending to him is he's now a Game of Thrones tour guide, or at least gives Game of Thrones tours. So it was Aww. nice to see that. That's nice. That was over the end credits. I was like, oh, good for you, Andrew McClay. He was great. Um, you know, there were stories about, like, uh, Sarah Gower, the prosthetics head, like, being away from her daughter and working these long, 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 long nights. Like, I, I, I genuinely got involved. Like, after, a while, after like, the 45-minute mark, I sunk in and, like, okay, these are our new cast of characters. I'm following Bernadette Caulfield, executive producer, and Sarah Gower, prosthetics head, and Andrew McClay, super extra. So what you're saying is you formed a parasocial relationship with them. Well, as you told me not uh, minutes ago, uh, we can't really tell the difference in our monkey brains between um, actual relationships and people on TV sometimes, the faces. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I think TV is based on parasocial relationships. I, t I don't feel bad about that. It's just a new form of storytelling. So, yes. <laughs> it is. And new. I mean, you know, I'm like 80 years old now. But it's new enough. And human history. It's relatively yes. new. Julie Davies loved it. I think it really makes you appreciate the work everybody puts into it. I, I agree. I completely did. Right. Yeah. I think that was smart to, you know, kind of put some respect on some people's names. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I like, too. Like, I, I can actually put some names to the faces between people who did this now. Like, I also think it kind of, again, I, I've argued this before. I don't know if it was on camera to, to all you guys, but to you about the whole, like, Dave Benioff and Dan Weiss got lazy argument. I, I never thought that held any water because if you watch them on set, you know, 20 hour days of proving every little thing, like there's nothing lazy about it. That's not the right explanation. Like I know people didn't like the, the season altogether, but. Yeah. Let's not have that debate again, please. Do we have it on camera? No, I don't think so. Okay, but we could. <laughs> Like, in my impression, especially after watching this, I don't think there was ever a lack of effort was ever the problem. I, no, it was just a lack of decent writing skills. There you go. And I don't think that's, skills either, but... I mean, yeah, we can talk about that more. But nope, anyway... We've solved that discourse. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I did enjoy it. Yes. And Deborah... Let's see. What did Dorothy say? I enjoyed the documentary. I like that they focused on the hard work by the actors and crew members who don't get appreciation of the public for their hard work making the show. So incredibly authentic. And I hope a lot of those people, and I'm sure they will, um, go on to get other jobs in the industry. Yeah. I know that at least the horse mistress for the show is going to work in the prequel, which is nice. There you go. Anyway, um, you watched uh, Killing Eve, I think it said. You I have, was... Did you have any thoughts on your lack of watching? Honestly, it was probably the best decision. So I spent most of my Sunday, like part of my Sunday was going to see John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. It was great. It's fantastic. We had a writer, Corey Smith, on Wick. Just had a headline, John Wick 3 is the best movie ever created. I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> Neither do I. But I, I will say though. it's completely bonkers. And then I came home and binged the back half of Killing Eve season two in preparation for the finale. And mm -hmm. I'm still screaming about it three days later internally. 
uh, other writers are screaming about it on culture. Okay. I'm just screaming internally about it. Fair enough. In my heart and soul. Yes. Um, because it was really good. Y'all should watch Killing Eve. Um, anyway. Yeah. Part of it was just kind of this idea of fatigue. And I've we've spent so much time together like wrestling with our feelings about season eight mm-hmm. that I needed some time to not wrestle with my feelings about season eight. Like I'm sure at some point I will go back and watch it instead of just laughing at the memes of Kit Harrington crying and Amelia Clark's face. But right now I feel like I needed to step back a little from game of sure. Thrones Makes sense. and then come back and be on the show on Wednesday. Um, it, like it just was the sense that, I don't need to process this right now. This is for a later stage of my process with wrestling with Game of Thrones. But that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like they want to give them a victory lap. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they want to keep it alive, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be talking about Game of Thrones and just, I think, it's effect on TV for a long time to come. I'm curious to see what the effect will be. But I enjoyed it very much. Somebody said, uh, I think Jesse said, yeah, Jesse, the, 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 those are my flames exactly. But somebody said that it didn't follow the actors. But yeah, which I, again, I thought at first, but then once I got to know the people, I was kind of okay following them and really enjoyed their stories. Yeah. So I liked it. I thought it was a, a nice way to cap things off. Yeah. Um, but now Game of Thrones is really, truly done. We're done. <gasps> <laughs> the show is done. The documentaries are done. Oh, also, oh, one of my favorite things, just like uh, fun behind the scenes pictures that you wouldn't get. Okay, but Sophie Turner ripping a jewel pod while Isaac Hempstead Wright exposes his legs and Maisie <laughs> Williams has sunglasses on is great. Oh, yeah, that is a best. great image. Like, I think I, I, I queued up a couple if we have them, Richard, just like a little bit slideshow. I, 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 I do love stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, wow, just what a just mood. Chilling. <laughs> just what a mood. <laughs> just talking about it. You know, brands standing up. You can just roll through them, Richard. We'll just hit them as they go. <laughs> Uh, just white eating food on set. It's a casual green screen nose. Yeah, absolutely. And he drops that in his lap. That's Andrew McClay, the super extra. He was getting all teary toward the end when he was like his last show and his last scene he was saying goodbye. Uh, he broke my heart. He was great. I love this one. This <laughs> is like they're charging and the PA or whatever. It's like, my job is fun. <laughs> because it is. And then uh, look at that. Amelia Clark acting in front of the green screen and the final... Uh, product. Yeah. Acting magic. Yeah, it is remarkable to, uh, yeah, it, it is remarkable to have a peek behind the curtain and just the amount of work that, and, and let's remember, Game of Thrones supported TV, yada, yada, yada. It's also important to a lot of jobs. It's made a lot of industry. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest show ever, just from a kind of scale perspective. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it does make sense to have a documentary like that, maybe even as a form of advertising for like, um, this is the kind of scale that we're operating under and that this is like an inspiration to people. This is how to, to encourage an economy almost. Because Game of Thrones is like big enough that it can actually, you know, um, I can't think of the word, but presume to that level of influence over I think people's the right lives. I think presume is the right word there. Yeah. And um, again, I'm curious to see how uh, shows step up or don't. I feel like there's going to be a lot of trying to step up and then just tripping and falling flat on their faces. There will definitely be some of that. Basically, I'm hoping for like one or maybe two successes, and I'd be happy. I'll take the Mandalorian. Like, we're going to get some failures. It's going to be interesting. (laughs) 
Yeah, we're gonna get. And uh, Mark, uh, Markia Miller asks, "You guys can do the same thing for Blood Moon? We will, of course, we will." Um, yeah, we'll cover Blood Moon or whatever it ends up being called, the prequel. We'll cover um, other shows and movies and books in between here and now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Blood Moon, our next topic is uh, just what comes next for Game of Thrones? Like, so we know there is a prequel coming, codenamed Blood Moon. Do you think that's the real name, by the way? If it is, it's going to be great. Because <laughs> it's so bad? Because it's so bad. Look, I spent a lot of time reading, <laughs> like, paranormal like urban fantasy and that sort of stuff so blood moon as a title like does not even register necessarily as a bad title for me just so much as it's another (laughs) that's like it does fit right in there it just slides right in like it's fine um it's hilarious my guess is it's not the real title i think it's like a code name thing Really? I mean, because I know, like... Get, Watch them name it Blood Moon. Game of Thrones did this. Like, its seasons were named things like... Oh, yeah. Yellow Taxi and, like, weird things like that. Oh, yeah. I, I made mean, that up completely, but it's something like that. You know, Return of the Jedi is... Blue uh, Harvest. Blue Harvest. Um, but come on. Blood Moon's hilarious. It's, 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 it is a good um, vampire name for when you're a middle schooler and just... You're wearing eyeliner today. Really dark stuff. You... This is werewolf erasure, and I will not stand for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably not. But sure, I'm happy to call it that until it proves us otherwise. Blood moon. Um, anyway, so yeah. we know that's coming. We do. But uh, Casey Bloys, the HBO programming president, who's our old friend, who's up every once in a while on the show, gave a pretty big talk. It's, I forget what it was, some kind of um, press junket thing. And he was asked directly, okay, so we're going to have a prequel. Are you going to have sequels? And he just said an unequivocal no. Like, nope, 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 no. Saying that uh, he doesn't want the original show, Game of Thrones. He wants it to be its own thing. George R. R. Martin has a massive, massive world. And there are so many ways in. That's why we're trying to do things that feel distinct and to not try and redo the same show. That's probably one of the reasons why right now a sequel or picking up any of the other characters doesn't make sense for us. I guess I have two questions to ask you about that. I remember that you were not like certain, but you, you, you seem to think that there would be a sequel sooner or later, right? Yes. Does this disavow that notion? No. Okay. For now it does, but in 10 years, the TV landscape might look a lot different and a sequel series or God help us all a reboot. I don't think it's going to be a reboot. Um, may seem more productive. I mean, how long did it take Deadwood to get the movie? That was it like, how long was it? Like 10 years? Yeah. So, uh, yes. Um, I think that for now it is unequivocal that we mm-hmm. are not getting a sequel series. I am not writing it completely out of the picture. Sure. I mean, with the Deadwood example, I do think the HBO of it makes a bit of a difference. Like, um, I mean, yes, networks can change identities. I mean, remember when Bravo was about operas? But HBO has been... Uh, Bravo was about operas? Yeah, that's how it started. Bravo, that's the reason. And then they got a Housewives thing, and it was just over. I was today years old. Um, continue. <laughs> I, never, I, I just know that story. Um, <laughs> the Millionaire Matchmaker is a good show. Um, did you ever watch it? To stop. No paths. Okay. Let's t- talk about the sequel. Fair enough. Um, I mean, the, the HBO of it, I think, makes a difference. That 
networks do change, but HBO has always been a network that I mean, does try very hard to not take, I don't know, it, it zigs and went to zag. It doesn't do what a lot of other actors do. Like we talked before, like if this were on AMC, they'd already have a sequel series, that already have some movie out. HBO just, I don't think they ever have done any kind of prequel or sequel to any of their things. I mean, Deadwood. I mean, that's a movie 10 years later. And that, in that situation, that show was, can't, was ended before it really like was ended, ended before the show wanted to end it. Right. So he wanted to come back. In this case, Game of Thrones, like, this was, this is the end. I yeah. mean, like, and this is what the guy's saying, that he wanted it to stand alone as his own thing. I do think there's a difference between that, that Game of Thrones is, yeah. I mean, and I know people have talked about, you know, whether the ending worked, but it definitely is an ending. It's, it's it a little different than Deadwood, that. where it kind of uh, got cut off in the middle of its life. And uh, someone wanted to say, Arya, go west, uh, Mina, which I think is the most popular one. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should get a sequel, by the way. I'm, I'm with Casey Bloys here. Um, and I'm just... I mean, if 10 years pass, they want to make an Arya movie. I think, sure. Right. That's, that's basically where I'm at with it. Um, is in the sense that, like, it's probably going to happen in some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. I don't know what shape or form that looks like. Um, and like I said, things could change immensely in 10 years. Even between kind of the start of Game of Thrones and the end of Game of Thrones, TV has been undergoing this shift. That's true. Thanks to the rise of streaming. And HBO changed, too. And I mean, HBO has changed, AT&T too. bought it. They have kind of had a mandate of give us more. Right. And they are. Uh, we're going to see how it goes in the near future. Uh, but it also said that he doesn't want any, he doesn't want more than one Game of Thrones show running at once. That's smart. Saying that, uh, yeah, I think Game of Thrones is a fantastic property, but I don't want to just be the home of prequels and sequels and all that stuff. Uh, I think you want to be really careful how you do it. That's why we've been working on the uh, showrunner Jane Goldman's pilot for a long time because we want to do it right. I think the last thing fans would want is something that was rushed out just to make it to air. So, yeah, I agree with you. That's a smart decision. He doesn't yes. want to oversaturate. And again, I feel like... Not- he, he doesn't want to pull a Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's, I mean, AMC kind of is the, the other touchstone to this. And I do think I do think it's a good idea that he's yes. not... Um, and again, I think it's something that HBO would do that another network wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And unless the culture changes in a big way, which might happen, I don't know. I think that's what we can expect going forward. We can only prog- prognosticate so much. <sighs> and Julie Davis says, me too, Dan. Let it rest for a good while. Yes. Yay. Although Mina says, a movie would be great. I'd more care with an Arya movie than I would an Arya series. But, you know, mm, we'll see how that all goes. Yeah. Uh, really quick, before we go beyond the wall... Prequel pilot's going to film in June. Yay. That's happening. So that's, I mean, that's next month. Good Lord. Um, so, so they're, they're not going to waste too much time, but they are at least going to give us a season's worth of normal TV season space. And uh, at least we know that horse mistress Camilla Napros will be on board. All right. So there will be horses in the prequel on that you can rely. Hashtag confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. I also have to mention before we move on really quickly. I'm sure this is like last week, but it's still funny that George R.R. R. Martin on his not a blog wrote yeah. that uh, he's going to go to some kind of comic con in Australia, July, 2020 and said that basically if I don't uh, have the winds of winter completed by then you have my written permission to imprison me in a cabin by the lake of sulfuric acid on white Island near New Zealand until I'm done, which I just think is great. 
and obviously joking, but what if it's not? Will they give him a better word processor in his cabin by the lake of no. sulfuric acid? No, he specified he had to have his DOS. I'm not kidding. That was part of the deal. Oh, my God. The man likes his DOS, whatever. Uh, all right. Fine. Whatever, Jerm. George R. R. Martin. I just love that. I think it's a fun joke. Yeah. And I also think it's a good mimetic opportunity, so get on it, people. <laughs> also, that's a real thing. Like a lake of sulfuric acid on White Island, New Zealand. The more you know, guys. How's that happen? Science. Okay. And, yes, horses confirmed. Excellent. We're on it, guys. <laughs> okay, I'm going to address this really quick. We have some people in here talking about uh, what was the point of XYZ in the final season. I'm going to do a little lightning round really fast. Okay. What was the point of in telling John who he really was? Nothing came of it, says Lilith Young. Lilith, I would agree that they didn't underline much as they could, but I think the point of that was all to, and again, this is kind of where it, it didn't quite work. But the point was to get Daenerys to the point where she would burn a city to the ground. Where yeah. it would kind of press in on her that she's not the only one to the throne. She has to take it by fire and blood and all that. Mm. Again, the tragedy is I don't think they really sold it. But I do think that's the, that's the ultimate reason why, why the reveal of the parentage. Yes. To get Daenerys to the point she needed to be. Ugh, if it had only worked. Um, someone asked, like, why Arya a trained killer? She can kill the Night King. I think that's pretty clear. Um... So yeah, we can answer those questions forever. Hooray. Or any other comments on that kind of stuff, Cheryl? Um, all I can say is I refer y'all to the meme image of we kind of forgot XYZ. Because that's, that's how I've been getting through a lot of it. When I saw them in the behind the scenes feature saying that, I was like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. No. You know what the meme people are going to do with that. <laughs> You're done for. Ugh, and they did not, they lived up to my very low expectations for just beating <laughs> into the ground. The memes dank. Well, the memes are awful, but the meme artists lived up to my low expectations for just yeah. running them into the ground. Yeah. Oof. But yeah, I, I, was, I was serious. I watched it and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> you're saying <laughs> a line memes. that can be used against you. The memes, they were dank. Okay. And yes, I am going to the con. So far, I'm planned. I, that, 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 that is the plan, Kenny. So wait on some details, but that is the plan. Hope to see you there. All right, let's go uh, for our final segment. Let's go beyond the wall for a minute and talk about something that's non-Game of Thrones related. Like Jon Snow. Like Jon Snow, where he can live out his his life as either, you know, the king beyond the wall or a member of the Night's Watch, whatever he wants, as long as he's happy. I think he will be. Um, To another HBO show coming up, one that, you know, the, the HBO is now pinning its hopes on these other shows coming up. You got your His Dark Materials, you got your Watchmen, you got your uh, whatever J.J. Abrams working on, you got whatever Josh Whedon's working on, and you got uh, Westworld. You got Blood Moon. (laughs) You got got Blood Moon. You got the Brain of Thrones prequel. And you got The Westworld, which is a show that I struggled with um, watching the second season especially. It had a serious case of, as you'd like to say, high in its own supply going on, like pretty bad. Yeah, that's the that's the safe for work version of how I describe Westworld. I can't say the not safe for work. On the Wick Club, maybe. Yeah, on the Wick Club, maybe. But yes, high on its own supply is the politer way Fair of enough. saying what I feel about but Westworld. I, w- I will say the trailer for the third season had me intrigued. Why don't we take a quick watch? Let's do it. Sometimes it seems like the world looks all right. Like they put a coat of paint on it. But inside it's rotting to pieces. The lunatic is on the grass. 
They said they would make a better world. Remembering through the way the rough edges and daisy chains and blocks. But that was a lie. Got to keep the loonies on the path. I guess the rough edges are the only thing I'm hanging on to. Westworld Season 3 trailer. Really fast. Uh, Terry asked if I've been to DragonCon in Atlanta. I have not, but maybe I'll go. And Marshall asked, well, why are they not talking about GOT? Because we talked about GOT a bunch, and we're going to... Uh, what I'm hoping to do with the show is to talk a little more about other non-Game of Thrones properties in between the Game of Thrones-y prequel stuff. Yeah. So I hope we can do more of that. I hope you come along with us. Anyway, Season 3. Anyway. What were your impressions when you saw that trailer? Uh, I believe we were watching that trailer we were. live. Yeah. And we were all like, wait, is this the Westworld trailer? Is this the Westworld trailer? Oh, it's the Westworld trailer. Ah. I didn't know at the very end. Uh, right. Um, it was certainly a trailer. The supply is back, and the supply appears to be cut a little differently than it used to be. Um, to go back to the the show is so high on its own supply metaphor. Um, I mean... Okay, but speaking for myself, yeah. I was intrigued. Like, I, I, I did not super enjoy the second season. I thought it Don't was... Don't let it suck you back in. I mean, I'm probably going to watch. Yeah, probably. Happen. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a human being. I enjoy being surprised. And I was surprised because I didn't... I had no idea that it was a trailer for Westworld until the very end when it, like, said Westworld. And, I mean, that was Dolores, the robot... Uh, under the bridge there. Mm-hmm. I thought it was quite bold of them to just do a whole thing with a brand new character, Aaron Paul, who is not a robot, but rather some kind of bl- future blue-collar worker who apparently is just not satisfied with his workaday life. And uh, I appreciate the boldness. And it, it does have me intrigued. So really, that's all the trailer really needs to do. I think, I wish more trailers were like that. Like, you know, trailers are boring, they're predictable, they're just like, you know... They kind of lay out what's going to happen. The show flashes different points in the season. This one kind of told a story and had an actual... It, it was like a small episode. It had a story. It had a twist. It had a little character. It had everything. So I like the trailer a lot, and I am officially intrigued. Um, the dialogue is still pretty uh, kind of... Convoluted. Despondent high school poet talking about how... You know, the, the, the voiceover is like, you know... My, my life is, is all darkness. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel so lost and alone. And it's like, okay, move this along. We <laughs> need to... Like, that was my problem with the second season, that it was kind of passing off its uh, pretty basic nihilism as something a lot deeper than it was and taking stuff a lot more seriously than it should. Like, it's about killer robots. Go back to the killer robots. <laughs> 
And uh, this kind of did feel like that, but I did like the twist yes. of it. And that intrigued me. And that's really all a trailer has to do. What do you think of my you, uh, It's designed to get you watch. Um, yeah. it, it was fine. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not mad at it, which is impressive considering how mad I spent most of season two of Westworld. Were you mad? It was a maddening experience? Uh, yeah, I was like, well, I was alternating between being really mad and really bored. And I decided that being mad was at least a little more interesting than being bored. Um, so kudos to them for that. Um, yeah, it was fine. Um, I don't know if this is going to kind of save the show by cutting through some of the shenanigans that have kind of plagued it in its first two seasons. Uh, but I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. I, I, it's not quite the same as intrigued, but it's... Sure, I, I take your meaning. You know. Tommy Sign said, I like the Pink Floyd. It was, there was other talking. Which, again, like, Pink Floyd, to me, kind of has that, like, uh, like dissident high school aesthetic to it. <laughs> like, oh you know, God, yeah. this is deep. This is some deep stuff. Jeff Smash didn't watch that, which I don't really like. <laughs> like that was kind of what bugged me about it. Yeah. But again, overall, I liked it and I am intrigued. I'll be watching again. Good job. Just don't um, bore me this time. To be fair, this is a show that once featured the Rolling Stones painted black on a player piano. People loved that, though. That's true, because it's <laughs> hilarious. People were all into that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, paint it black. And now that I think about it, isn't it weird how, like, you can have a high opinion of a show and then, or anything really, and then if it takes a turn, like, kind of your entire perception is kind of colored in a way. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think, like, when the paint it black thing happened in the first season, the internet collectively was like, this is cool. Now you look back on it, it's like, how pretentious. Yeah, like... Because there's a turn. Right, and because the show went back to that well pretty frequently and it, the trick is only good if you use the trick well and if you keep using the trick over trick over and over and over again it's not going to be done well um i love raman dijwadi as a composer right but like maybe like he's good at it he's very good at it mm -hmm. but i don't think Maybe it's like a scripting thing, like that. I don't think it serves the show if it's done too many times. So, and I say that as someone who loves Paint It Black as a song. Yeah, good song. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, that is. Oh, the better. Yeah. Oh, Black Hole Sun, too. Oh, yeah, Black Hole Sun. I'm looking forward to it. Didn't they do like Heart in a Box or something, too? I think. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know the ex. I don't know all the Westworld score details, but maybe. Yeah. It was some good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um,. I hope they repilot a bit if they can have, I mean, it's time for a new angle. Like the second one did not work. So sure. Go with a new angle, have a new way in and I will watch be good Westworld. And I will be rooting for you. Anyway, any other comments, Cheryl? No, things I think on your mind. Things you want to talk about. <laughs> I just want to see the rise of Skywalker. Why can't it be December already? But that's just kind of a running drum beat in my mind at this point. So yeah. All right. Well, that in the Mandalorian. Which is, is that coming out? Like, do, do, do we know yet? Like, no. I think it's a launch show. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's like... November. <laughs> November. Cool. Yes. That'll be a big two punch for Star Wars. I will, like, I will be just constantly hyperventilating. Anyway, thanks for watching, everybody. We'll be back next Wednesday with more Game of Thrones, Summer's Fire, genre fiction talk. Probably gonna beef up the 
beyond the wall part of it, because there are other things we like. We hope you'll be along with us. If not, that's fine, but consider consider turning in and talking with us. <laughs> uh, we're also on the Wit Club on our Patreon for more in-depth talks about topics just too scintillating to talk about on the mainland internet. And there's a winnerscoming.net for all your genre news. Culturist.com. For everything that is, it's by women for women. Uh, it, you know, safe space. We discuss a lot of stuff. We go in depth. In depth. <laughs> There's a P in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pop culture site uh, with a women focus on women. Cool. And next week, I think the return of a sock of Dan and Josh. <gasps> so we will see you next Wednesday Get at 4 reading. p.m. Adios, everybody. 